persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said to his followers, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? 
And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So do you have certain habits that you do to keep you safe? Maybe you lock the doors or you have a security alarm system. Maybe you're old school and you still hide money underneath your bed. You don't walk in dark parking lots. You might carry pepper spray. Pay attention to where the exits are in a building. Maybe you change your computer password every three months. Or maybe you do all of these things. But what happens when even the best defense systems fail? Because we all know that sometimes you get hacked, the alarm system fails, right? You get the point. Then what? And what about those things that are bigger than just a computer being stolen? Intense times of challenge in your life, affliction, persecution, famine, extreme poverty, imminent danger, and even death. Then what? What defense do we have? Well, there's five times in the reading from Romans that Stacy read that the Apostle Paul has answered some of these questions, but he's also at the same time drawn out these amazing advantages we have as followers of Christ Jesus. If you look at that reading with me in verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, how will God not also with Jesus graciously give us all things? 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? 34, who is to condemn? And 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Here's Paul's answers as well. In verse 31, he says, no one can, success, can be successful against us, even those who want to harm us. 32, God will supply everything that you need, even when all seems lost. 33, no one can make a charge stick against us in the eyes of God, no matter who it is that accuses us. 34, no one can condemn us. 35, no one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. God has brought and is still bringing about a new creation forward through Jesus Christ. Now, Paul doesn't overlook some of the suffering and the grief that happens in this world and in our lives. Instead, Paul tells us to look further, right? Paul says and points to the future when God, through Jesus Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit— will bring that final redemption, a redemption that gives us hope. God is for us, 
and therefore nothing can condemn or harm us because nothing can separate us from God. This passage is one of my all-time favorite passages because it speaks to the truth of our human condition and it speaks a word of love to us even when we can't wrap our minds around what that love from God looks like. It gives us a word of hope for our lives. Yes, we are going to get through hard times, but we don't do it alone. We have hope because of who Jesus Christ is, because God is a God that sits with us. Yet the hope that we have is more than just like this idealistic, romanticized hope, maybe more than just wishful thinking. It's more than the ability just to persuade ourselves that surely something is better in the future. The hope that we have is steady and strong. It's real, it's active, it's bold, and it's beautiful because we have already seen a glimpse of it and we can have confidence in our future with God only because the future is in God's hands, not ours. That's good news for today, right? We can have confidence in our future with God only because the future is in God's hands, not ours. Paul gives us the reason for this hope that we have. Paul lays it out why we have this reckless love, this grace that is looked at by the world as foolish, but is the foundation of where we stand. None of this, not suffering, hard times, persecution, famine, grief, anything phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. There's no dimension of reality we can imagine that has the power to frustrate God's care and love for each and every one of us. There's no creature or creation, natural or supernatural, not even time or space that can separate us from the creator God for, who create, for whom created us and loves us. Even when the world is in pain, standing in the middle of the already and not yet, even when life doesn't make sense, God stands with us in the pain. God loves us. God will never separate God's self from us. We are held together in God's love. Now, this is one of those concepts that sometimes throughout my life, I have a really hard time wrapping my head around because I'm used to hearing, I love you, but, I love you when, I'll love you if, right? From the world, that's what it is. I love you, but I hate when you drive fast. I love you when you're nice. I love you, but you didn't do well in school this semester. I love you, but you always know how to push my buttons. I'll love you if you do whatever I say. We live in a world where we hear conditional I love yous all the time. But here's the thing. 
in this Romans passage, when God tells us how much God loves us, it's just, I love you. That's it. No if, ands, or buts about it. And God gave us the perfect example of that love in Jesus Christ. God got down on our level to show us what this love looks like. About, I would say it's like over 15 years ago, I read for the first time the book Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. And there is one of the images in it that just always sticks with me. And I think that this week, seeing all the images out of Afghanistan, I could not help but think of this story again. This is what Donald Miller writes. A long time ago, I went to a concert with my friend Rebecca. Rebecca can sing better than anybody I've ever heard sing. I heard this folk singer was coming to town, and I thought that she might like to see him because she was a singer too. The tickets were 20 bucks, which is a lot to pay if you're not on a date. Between songs, though, he told a story that helped me resolve some things about God. The story was about a friend of his that was a Navy SEAL. He told it like it was true, so I guess it was true, although it could have been a lie. The folk singer said his friend was performing a covert operation, freeing hostages from a building in some dark part of the world. His friend's team flew in by helicopter. They made their way to the compound. They stormed into the room where the hostages had been imprisoned for months. The room, the folk singer said, was filthy and dark. The hostages were all curled up in a corner, terrified. When the seals entered the room, they heard the gasp of the hostages. They stood at the door and they called out to the prisoners, telling them that they were Americans. The seals asked the hostages to follow them, but the hostages wouldn't. They sat there on the floor and they hid their eyes in fear. They were not of healthy mind and they didn't believe that the rescuers were actually Americans. The, the seals stood there. They didn't really know what to do. They couldn't possibly carry each and every person out. So one of the seals, the folk singer's friend, got an idea he put down his weapon, took off his helmet, curled up tight next to the hostages so close that his body was touching theirs. He softened the look on his face and he put his arms around them. He was trying to show them that he was one of them. None of the prison guards would have done that. He stayed there for a little while until some of the hostages started to look at him finally meeting his eyes. The Navy SEAL whispered that they were Americans and that they were here to rescue them. Will you follow us, he said. The hero stood to his feet, and one of the hostages did the same, then another, until all of them were willing to go. The story ends with all the hostages safe on an American aircraft carrier. Donald Miller concludes, I never liked it when preachers said that we had to follow Jesus. Sometimes they made him sound so angry. But I liked the story that the folk singer told. I liked the idea of Jesus becoming man so that we would be able to trust him. I like that. He healed people and loved them and cared deeply about how people were feeling. 
Jesus came down to set an example for us, to teach us about what our lives were supposed to be about. That's what love is. That's what love in practice looks like. A love that cares deeply about how people are feeling to sit with them like the Navy SEALs. A love that is self-sacrificing, thinking of others and others before ourselves. This is what makes St. John's such a hard place to leave, because this is what makes St. John's such a special place. You love deeply. You love boldly. You love like Jesus does. It doesn't matter who it is, what they're going through, where they have been. You show up, you sit next to, and you are God's face in the world because of that. When I got here over three and a half years ago, I could never have imagined what a beautiful place I was walking into. I have been shown Jesus's love here more times than not, and I'll have to be honest, that doesn't always happen in the life of a pastor. You love me. You loved my family as much as I loved you. It's been an honor to be your pastor, to be invited into the moments of your life that were painful beyond reason, and to preach to you about a God that sits with you in those moments. It has been a joy to celebrate with you when life gave us something to celebrate, and to remind you that God is there too, celebrating with you. I will always, always, always carry a piece of St. John's in my heart because of the beautiful witness that each and every one of you were to me and to my family. I thank you so much for loving us and for loving us well, and I hope that you know that I will always love you too. Amen.